I would love to introduce you to a dear friend, uh, colleague, and I guess student as well of mine called uh, Bergen Hyde. And I don't really do intros, but my heart right now is like racing because this uh, woman, as soon as I laid eyes on her through the Zoom screen, I just knew she was super special. And um, I'm really grateful to be having a conversation with you today. Ditto. Thanks for having <laughs> me. Same. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a love affair that has been brewing for a little while now. And um, just to give some context, uh, we met through the portal of our teacher, Sarah Denham Wilson, and um, Bergen's also Dance With Me, my program, Dance Your Wisdom. Um, we've been in circle together in different ways across those two portals. And um, all the while, like, I've always known that there's been this like affinity between how we view this work, um, which we'll go more into as we, as we chat today, but um, there's been, yeah, these parallels that have connected us. And I'm just super grateful to be chatting with you and sharing this conversation with anyone who wants to listen, because I know it's going to be juicy, <laughs> super juicy. Um, so why don't you just tell Tell us a bit more about what brought you into this work and sort of give a context for this work um, for us before we launch in. Um, yeah, thank you so much. I, um, yeah, I live in the, I live in the States. I live in Utah. I have three kids. Um, I'm married. And I was raised um, very religious. I was raised in the Mormon church or the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and was, was essentially raised to just be a good daughter of the patriarchy, right. To, um, to, to prepare myself to be a wife and a mother was really the whole focus of uh, my upbringing. And I got married at 25 and had a daughter, my first daughter, just a few days after my 26th birthday and then two other kids a few years later. And it was really um, having my kids that kind of began um, my awakening, my awakening mm -hmm. to the feminine and to the goddess and to my own, you know, healing and self-actualization. Um, because in, in patriarchal uh, cultures and especially in patriarchal religions, women are really, I don't know if encouraged is the right word. It's just, there's not really any other option. You women just skip this rite of passage between childhood and maidenhood and, um, adulthood or mature feminine or that mother archetype. And I just never had it. I just deferred all of that kind of self-development and, um, coming into my own and understanding who I am and what I wanted to bring into the world. I, I just thought, well, being a wife and a mother is it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. um, very much an externalized view of my sense of worth and identity. And my first daughter, especially just like cracked that wide open. It was like, Oh, all these promises that I'd be so fulfilled by this, that this was my one and only thing. They aren't happening. Like I feel angry I feel betrayed I feel like lonely and you know experiencing um a lot of postpartum depression and and just kind of the the wasteland that is life for women on the other side of of maidenhood you know no support no village feeling very um you know isolated and kind of like raw for about 10 years and I would have kind of, you know, cycles of like, oh, things are, things are okay. I'm like keeping my head above water. And then I would just like crash into these spirals of a lot of shame and um, just feeling like I had nothing, like nothing within myself to really hold on to, like just always grasping at something else outside. I mean, if we just buy another house, if we just move one more time, just have one more baby. If my, if my husband just gets one more job, right. I was a primary stay at home parent. I didn't finish school. I didn't have a degree. I didn't have any way of like financially standing on my own two feet. And so I was just swirling, you know, and finally it kind of came to the edge, like the ledge of the cliff. Um, 
experienced some suicidal ideation and was just like, I don't think I can do this anymore. The pressure was just so heavy. And, Mm. and I just like had this realization, like I I'm either going to like leave this world or I'm going to leave the world, this world. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like it was like, I have facing this death before death, right. Of saying like, I've got to go down into the depths of my soul and into the darkness and this undoing that's been calling me mm. um, and figure out what's what's down there or I'm not going to make it, you know, or yeah. real disaster is, is imminent. So um, luckily, I think this, this actually happens more often than not. Um, I had some amazing women come into my life at that time and... Um, women who were searching for the divine feminine, women who were asking these hard questions within my faith context. And then eventually that opened up to a much broader um, access to guides and, um, and resources like you and, and Sarah Durham that were opening this new world for me. And I had a full, like my faith deconstruction um, or faith crisis and transition with my religious um, background and faith tradition. And then this simultaneous like feminine awakening of meeting the goddess and um, learning how to be with all these wounded parts of myself and and reintegrating them. And I think um, I'm on the other side of that, of that kind of initiation of the dark night, dark night of the soul. I think I um, am on the upturn of that. And I know there's always more spirals to do. But that first initiation, I think, is generally the most intense and the most kind of, uh, I don't know, terrifying and and um, and deep. And now these spirals feel like these kind of constellations of wounds that I can that I have these tools for now. I have this like inner structure to spend that healing time with them and and practices that are very supportive and and guides and you know community in my life that are helping me continue that process. Um, and now I hold spaces for, for other women. Um, for the most part, it's women who are, who are also experiencing this through the lens of my faith tradition, but I also have a lot of other women that are beginning to come into my spaces as well, who just resonate with, with the way that I, that I work. Um, Mm -hmm. The title I gave myself is a dark night doula, <laughs> which I love. I just, I'm into the dark. I, I feel very comfortable um, working in that space, being with women in, in their rage and their pain, in their loneliness. I think the place where we have the least support in a very kind of solar masculine centered world, we are, we want everything to be in the light and, um, so learning, you know, teaching women how to see in the dark, how to be with um, their wounds is um, is really my most favorite thing to do ever. I love it yeah. so much. <laughs> and the dark goddess is becoming, you know, such a, an important guide for me. And um, yeah. uh, I mean, she might she might <laughs> she might have things to say about it later, but I feel like she's a friend to me she's becoming a friend like yeah a familiar like a familiar face in the night you know yeah and it's still sometimes a little like ooh, you're intense but also like <laughs> okay let's do this you know like I know yeah. the fire I know what it feels like to undo and and I know that there's always rebirth on the other side and mm-hmm. yeah so I'm a, um, a mentor and a coach and I do one-on-one work and also group courses and those kinds of things yeah, yeah. Oh, I, mean, I mean that is got, got to be one of the richest <laughs> intros I've, <laughs> I've, I've witnessed and like honestly every time you open your mouth you hear that abundance of truth coming from your heart your lived experience is just so rich and you can tell that you really are this dark night doula because the way in which you speak comes so close from that experience like you can't speak the way that you do without having been to those places yeah Uh, yeah yeah. I definitely think those aren't those aren't things you can manufacture like you have to 
really have done it and be in the work of it and yeah and that's really really essential to me as a guide is that I'm I'm really consciously integrating things for quite a while before I'm ready to hold that space for people so it's been a good four years of really being in my darkness and it feels good to you know take a breath and hold that space for someone else and to see the alchemy of your own experience you know bringing those veins of gold to the women that you help it's just like okay (laughs) yeah this can be something so beautiful and helpful to the world and and that's really magic yeah yeah in a way it's almost like oh this makes a little bit more sense now and 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 I just want to speak to like the the pace right like to come into this work is to it's so radical a radical change of pace that it really um (laughs) it can really add to the intensity of it because we're so conditioned to be moving in clear straight lines from a to b and so on and so forth that when we go into these initiations where we're being asked to meet you know the darkness the dark mother and all the things that are held there, you know, in, in that shadow realm, um, time is lost. And that way of being is really hard to let go of because we also still have to exist in our culture, right? We have to exist in our oh society. Gosh. It really, it's like, I always think of Ariadne and the, and the labyrinth and mm. it really is every time, every time, even, even if you've been through it before, I think you, <laughs> you begin to trust that there is the natural cycle and pattern that you're not going to be down there forever that like, but it's still each time is um, you have to surrender to the mystery of it. And I, our, you know, Sarah, our, our teacher, our common teacher says like, every time I step into these spaces with women, it's I'm grabbing the red thread and following it into the mystery. And I'm not always, I never really know how it's going to turn out on the other side. And, and um it really isn't about knowing what's going to happen or being able to predict how it's going to go. It's about surrendering to the natural cycle that is literally happening all around us all the time. It's happening in our bodies all the time. It's happening on the planet, like in the earth all the time, the moon phases, like it's, it's happening all the time. And our culture has just tried to kind of um, float above that or transcend that and disassociate from that instead of just saying like, yeah, we're just going to surrender to however long winter is going to last and know that spring always comes and just be with what is and let that unfold instead of trying to force some, some particular outcome or control the way it's going to happen. Yeah. It's, uh, I think with each of my own personal initiations, um, there's been more of an ability to rest into that state of surrender and to trust that this is the process um it sort of chips away each time uh and you know (laughs) to be able to hold the space for other women like that it's really about coming back into the body too which is something you just mentioned and um trusting one's own body which is also I, I think another byproduct of living in this patriarchal culture where we just look to outsource our power essentially especially when it comes to our bodies but in, and also as it pertains to this work like the power of the dark the power of going in the power of descending the power of the, the dark mother it's all like there but we're so conditioned to reach out and look to be saved and to be helped which really connects to the archetypal maiden you know that is really yeah where's the the knight in shining armor yeah 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 and our bodies when we really tune into our bodies our bodies uh require that we slow down Hmm. there's i have actually my water bottle here i have this little like snail sticker on my water bottle (laughs) (laughs) And I also, I inherited this little like glass figurine of like a snail from my, from my maternal grandma. And I look at it every day and I, because I'm, I'm a Leo and (laughs) I, my moon sign is Sagittarius and, and then my, my rising is Aries. So I'm like, (laughs) 
double fire and blow and then a little bellows for the flame you know like i'm i'm just a fiery person and i'm like light it up baby let's go you know (laughs) but having to be with the slow burn like being with the slow burn is something that really really stretches me and and our bodies i think are such a powerful portal for that like our bodies are Mm. always just like this is how long it takes this is how long it takes it takes as long as it takes and if you rush me it's gonna come back to bite you in the butt right and yeah (laughs) our bodies can only be here in the present Mm -hmm. they can't rush off into the future they don't they don't linger in the past although they will hold on to things that we haven't processed right yeah um and just make them present for us until we can integrate them but our bodies can only be here our minds can like fly off and, and try to, and try to move past. Right. But when we come into our bodies, it's a requirement of, of slowing down and and really being present. So yeah, it's a really essential part of the process. Yeah. And when you speak to like the, the mind sort of hijacking and running off, I feel like that also really speaks a lot to um, the ways in which we have to decondition ourselves from that uh, patriarchal thinking so it's one thing to come into the feminine through the body and to be with the feelings and the emotions but we've also got to untangle our thinking to be able to be present with the body um, in a way can you speak a little bit to that in your experience Bergen yeah I think the conditioning is that if I'm not consistently producing and consuming like if I'm not in this cycle of production and consumption and production and consumption and like, um, then there's something wrong with me. Right. I often think about, so this might be a good example that illustrates through the female and male biology, how that might inform the way that our world is built. Right. So men's, men's hormonal cycles happen over one day, right. They wake up and, um, essentially, slowly peak in the mornings and then ride that throughout the rest of the day and then they they get to their like to the lower part of that cycle and they go to bed at night and then they wake up and they're back at it again with another like the peak of their hormones and then they go down and and that just is the way men's bodies work yeah um in general right and then women's bodies have this 28 day cycle where you know we have potentially an entire week when we're in that low resting point. And then an entire week, we're at that more kind of external um, creative energy. And our entire world is really because it's patriarchal, because it's male centric and masculine centered, it's really built around that male energy cycle. So we have, you know, whatever, eight to five work days where you go, you wake up every day and go and you do your same job and then you go to bed at night and then you wake up and do it again. And for for a, a person in a female body to go around in this world, and that's that's just one aspect of it, right? There's so many layers to this, how we've centered um, our whole kind of cultural and social um structures on the male experience right because males are making the decisions and we center them um to walk around in a female body in that world makes you feel like there's something wrong with you yeah if i don't wake up every day and i'm able to do the tasks that i'm supposed to do then there must be something wrong with me and and that caught that creates a pathology out of something that's actually organic and and natural yeah um, there's nothing more natural than that, than the, our bodies going through those, um, you know, that cycle. And so the way that that really messes, I think, with women's heads, it's it's like, it's a real mind yeah. fuck to undo. Yeah. And we walk around the world just feeling like something's just not quite right with me. And, and that gets even um, more deeply embedded in us, like in an unconscious way. So even if we're like, I know nothing's wrong with me. This is how I'm supposed to be way down, 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 down in there. We have this, like, I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not um, performing enough. I'm, uh, you know, just not able to do the things that everybody else is doing. And I've got to 
I've got a lot of shame around that, or I've got to hide that from people and keep up the perfectionism and the, and the pleasing and the, um, and the performing and the producing. Otherwise people are going to figure out that <laughs> I'm, I'm a mess underneath here. Right. And that really, um, I think it kind of piles up over time and it like yeah. builds up in our bodies over time that we've, we've been pushing and pushing and pushing. And we generally, I think women will come to some kind of crisis, like a health crisis or, or a faith crisis or a relationship crisis or a personal identity crisis or midlife crisis. And we go, this is not sustainable, right? I can't keep carrying this load and ignoring what my body is saying and ignoring what my soul is saying. And I've got to listen to the cries of my soul and my body and mm. learn how to be more in alignment with those needs, or I'm going to, I'm not going to make it right. Yeah. yeah. What's really interesting to me is that through socialization as children, like boys are encouraged to push things outward so anything they feel is outward whereas women and girls uh, internalize and actually that's that's the irony of it <laughs> because that's also how we're supposed to reach our power we're supposed to go inward yeah but, but instead we're taking the outside messages and, yes. and and sticking them in instead of going into our own knowing yeah we're actually just filling ourselves with everyone else's expectations and projections, right? Yeah. And at the same time, we're also going inward instead of reaching out when we are under severe stress or at a point of crisis. So it's like, it's so interesting how the, the secret codes are right there, but it's been polluted. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it manifests in all kinds of kind of tangled ways. Yeah. And it yeah. takes a lot to really be with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also, and this is why I really wanted to have this conversation with you, is that it's also um, this this is impacted men too, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's not just the internalization for women, but it's been that inward and more repressive of the feminine, and that also exists within the man too, right? Absolutely. Um, which, you know, I'll always be an advocate for working with women in this way. Um, I think it's really important because what we're looking at is something so big, like oneness is so big and you have to compartmentalize things, separate things to notice the nuance, the subtlety, to really understand it and then fit it back together. And I feel that whilst you and I are both really devoted to working with women and, and being in the darkness through these healing initiations. Um, we have the, the vision of what the greater impact of this work is. So I'd love you to speak to your personal experience of this and, and just see where that goes. I mean, the, the first thing that comes to mind is going back to what you were saying before, which is, I think women because of the nature of, I don't know, because of the nature of patriarchy maybe, and because of our just um, our inherent nature, we do often have a little more ease around going within. Uh, there, of course, there are still a lot of challenges there, but um, we have a little bit more of an, of, of, um, of an opening to access that. And I think for men, it's like, at least as I'm thinking about the men in my life, it just feels like they, they just don't have any context for that really culturally. We don't give them any context for self-reflection or for really um, building that capacity to be with themselves. While it does feel like women kind of live in that, like in that isolation of being with themselves and they need to like bring themselves from within out and build this community. It feels like men are live such external, um, live in such an externalized paradigm that it's like, I, I don't even know what that would look like, right. To go inside myself. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way I'm, I'm personally experiencing it in my community and in my personal life is that women kind of already live in this crisis mode and this survival mode. And I think men do too, but for women, it feels much more like 
there's no privilege in it to wrap ourselves up in and, and have a little insulation from it. It's just like, we're just kind of exposed to the, the full gamut of the violence of patriarchy on all the levels. And there's this awakening happening for women where it's just like, we cannot ignore this anymore. I, I will not survive. And men maybe have this kind of little bubble wrap around them because of the ways in which patriarchy really um, coddles them. And um, I'm trying to use, <laughs> trying to use gentle words, but like the way that patriarchy really kind of props them up. Um, and strokes their egos and gives them a sense of like, you know, I'm important in the world. And that's, and it is difficult to feel the pain that's happening within themselves and the pain that's happening to the people around them when they're like, well, it's okay. Like I'm doing fine. Like um, I just had a, a really intense conversation with my younger brother. And luckily we have a really good, we have a really good relationship and um I was talking to him about this men's course that we're thinking about opening and I was showing him the website we were building for it and he's an advertiser that's what he does and so I was getting his feedback and he like kind of scrolled really quickly through it and was like I would never take this course and I'm just like <laughs> I somebody go get the gasoline and the matches because I'm going to <laughs> light you on fire like and it's like, I, I know what's going on in his personal life. I see the way he struggles to be present with his kids. I see the way that he's struggling in his partnership. I see, um, you know, his faith is also like his spirituality is beginning to crumble. Mm. And he's like, so um, burdened by, you know, this role of being a provider for the family. And he's going off to work all day and coming home at like eight o'clock at night and, and working from his phone while he's in bed, you know, just like, I'm, I'm like, dude, are you, what, you are not living in reality. I want to chop your head off. You know, my <laughs> death mother was just like, I'm going to get you. <laughs> he took it, he took it in stride. I said lots of swear words and was just like, <laughs> so not gentle. Like, like how dare you do not. Uh, yeah. I was very upset <laughs> and he handled it. But I just, after that, I just felt yeah. like, you know, anyway he he started telling me um you know starting to give more actually constructive feedback instead of just kind of dismissing it offhand and what I started to realize was that and and maybe this this can be generalized I don't think all men feel this way but I think there is this maybe a, a something a pattern that we can pull from it which is that he's incredibly competent at his job and he was raised his whole life to be very competent at that. He was given all the tools. He, um, you know, his wife stayed home with their kids while he got his degrees and, and built his career and his network and, and really honed all these skills while the women in his life were holding the responsibility of all the emotional invisible labor. And so he goes to work all day and he's, in, he's, very good at his job. He's gotten two promotions. He's gotten a raise and everybody loves him. And he works really, really hard and he does yeah. work hard. Yeah. Right. And he gets a paycheck and all these, like all this good feedback about his offering in the world in that way. But then he comes home and has very little capacity for the emotional and invisible care work that needs to happen because yeah. Um, he wasn't, wasn't given those skills and those opportunities and those rites of passage of how to hold his own emotions and how to be with his own feelings so that he can show up for mm -hmm. the children in his life and, and for his partner who also needs some containment and, yeah. and support. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think I see that in a lot of the men in my life that they are incredibly competent in this more external world. Right. They're, they're, generally good at navigating that part of the patriarchy's expectations because they've been given a lot of resource to do that. Yeah. And, but then when it comes to relate relating, when it comes to emotional maturity, when it comes to spiritual depth, it's like no ground to stand on. I, they drown so quickly in the, you know, in the waiting pool of that. It's like, yes. okay, you can't handle like your two-year-old crying. Like, yeah. that's not, that's not right. That's not okay. Like, it's not okay to not be able to hold that ground. Um, mm -hmm. 
And a lot of that is because I think women have been trained to hold the emotional invisible labor. And so while women maybe are making like all these advances and like also having careers and getting education and stuff, they're still bearing more than their load of the emotional um, and care work, Mm -hmm. emotional work and care work. And men just don't have, at least I, at least in my, from my perspective, it feels like men don't really have spaces where they're learning how to also offset, right. The work that women are bringing to the table with their contribution of showing up with more maturity in these, in these other realms. Yeah. What I really hear, um, is in everything you've so eloquently described is that they have a wound with the feminine too because it's been so like I just envisaged the bubble wrap getting tighter and tighter and tighter until the feminine aspect within them has just withered under all the pressure that they get so deeply triggered and I believe this is why they do get so deeply triggered by the emotional outpourings of their children, their, their beloveds, you know, whoever is in the world, the state, like they get triggered by all of these things because it's like, please look at this part of yourself. And my personal experience in, you know, my most recent relationship was it was just too hard for him to look at what I was feeling. Yep. And, you know, this is where the, the work goes into the wholeness, right? And like, there is so much work that men need to do to come back into their feminine aspects um, in a healthy way, because until they begin to do that, we're not going to see the unity in, in the harmony that we so deeply desire and know is possible in our bones as women. Like we know it's possible. Yeah. That's why so many women are going into themselves now like ever before like I know in the last 10 years it's just been like like this feminine yeah yeah, rising I really think it's been a real descension into the the shadowy murkiness of the wounds within the feminine through women um but that's why we've been going (laughs) at it so much because we know that in many ways too energetically the feminine leads and, and goes first. She initiates, she invites, summons this energy in, in men. But, you know, it's we can't do it all for them. As you were mentioning too, like the, the burden on women um, is real, invisible but real, just like archetypal forces are invisible but real. Yes. You know, it, it's a real thing. And when you when men deny that, it's just like, you know, fuel to the fire even more of the emotional pain that we feel yeah and I think our overemphasis on things that are real being things we can measure with like oh how like how much profit did we make and like how many products did we put out like that's the only way to measure whether or not something's real or or whether something's of value and and our overemphasis on that in our culture I think does make it really difficult. Like I find myself in a lot of these, these really challenging conversations, like with my own partner and with other men in my life, yeah. feeling like, how do I make this make sense to you? Like, how do I help you see the thing that's unseeable? Yes. That it has to actually be experienced. It's not, and I can only articulate it so much before it's just like, I, there's nothing more I can say about that. You're going to have to allow yourself to feel it because I, yeah. And one, one of the ways I think that can happen, um, is for women to begin setting some more energetic boundaries around how much of the load they're going to carry and how much they're going to, um, say that's not mine to hold. And it takes real, um, ovarios as Clarissa Pinkles, as does would say, like it takes some real cojones to really step up and say, I'm not going to hold this for you anymore. I'm not going to validate you in the thing that, that is out of alignment. Right. And I, I, I feel men in my life often coming to me, like kind of like wounded puppies, you know, projecting that mother wound of like, I had such a hard day at work. Will you hold me? And I'm just like, I got to go hold our kids. Yeah. And I need you to partner with me in that. Um, And it's not that it's not that I don't, 
think there are times and places where it's really healthy for us to hold each other in that it's that there has to be there has to be an end point where I end and, and you begin. And it's, it's, um, and mm-hmm. there has to be some confrontation with the weight that is on, um, women in the world to carry this for them. And especially when we're picking up a lot of the weight of like bringing financially and, um, you know, we're, when we are stepping into our capacity to, you know, provide for ourselves and, and contribute, in our relationships in that way to say like, I've also worked eight hours today. You know, I have also done this labor and it's of value. And I, I also am going to claim rest for myself and I'm going to claim these other things, which means some of this other stuff like, isn't going to get done by me. Right. And to communicate that in a loving way. Um, Mm-hmm. And, and, and really holds to those boundaries is important. I, I think there's, when you are so wounded, when you've got these mother wounds, it's very easy to project. It's very, it's it, all you can do really is project when you have unconscious wounds, like that's all there can be. And um, as women wake up to their own projections and are more conscious of it, they're less likely to continue to collude. Yeah in the kind of codependent projections that happen where it's like, you want me to be mommy. And so I will, I will take on that and hold all of your stuff. So I can, so I don't have to deal with mine. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I don't have to look at my own, the cries of my own soul. I'll hold you instead. And I'll hold everything for everyone and martyr myself to that and, yeah. and find a sense of value and worth in it because yeah. that's what, that's, what's expected of me. Um, but that's not really, I think the kind of partnerships we want is both men and women being able to really hold their own inner child, yes, their own emotions, and then to show up for each other as whole partners, right? Yeah. yeah. And the practical aspect of that is it's really fucking messy doing oh, that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's it, a mess. Yeah. And I think also to the detriment of our culture it's like the impact of that is like well it's messy let's just pack it up and go to where it's clean and not do this yep right whether let's that's just go back to what was familiar and what's yeah. comfortable and well oh gosh that is so true um you know especially in in my particular faith tradition and i mm-hmm. and i suspect this happens a lot just in the world in general is that there's a very um, prescriptive trajectory for life. Like you just follow, you obey all these rules that we give you, you follow this plan for life. And just as long as you do what we say, you're going to have these outcomes, right? You're as long as you obey the father, father, God, and, and the, uh, you know, authority figures in, in church. And I, I guess, I suppose in the broader culture, it's like, just go to school get your degree, get a job, keep your head down, do you do what you're supposed to do. And so it's very easy to just like, oh, I'm just going to fall back into that, that pattern and do what's known. Um, But the challenge right now is that I think as a, as a society, as a culture is that is all unraveling where it's like getting a degree doesn't guarantee you anything. Now you've got whatever hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt because you got a PhD and you, you still can't get a job or you're not, you know, the cost of living is higher than, than the pay. And there's just all of these like kind of late stage capitalism, like unraveling happening. There's all this social unraveling happening with like, um, you know, LGBTQ issues and, um, race issues. And we see that happening in the States a lot, right. With like black lives matter. And it's like, look, the, the old system, of success was only serving a very small population of people. And we were all buying into it, trying to make it work. And now we're unveiling that it's actually not working for any of us to just hustle and hustle and hustle and produce and produce and produce and consume and consume and consume. Oh, not to mention like our ecological crisis, like the earth and the way we felt like we could just continue to exploit and take and take and take and take for a profit. And it's all catching up to us. And I think, um, 
we're having this kind of confrontation with the way that we've been living. And while we might have this inclination to fall back into that, uh, that comfortable pattern, um, it's, it's not going to become, it's not really comfortable anymore either. No. And that's a really hard place to be. I definitely see that in um, the men in my life where they like come home from work and they're just like, what is happening? This is too much. It's just way too much. I'm, I'm melting down, but I just, I got to hold it together and go tomorrow, you know? Yeah. And my heart does break. My heart does break for that truth because so hard whilst um, there's been so much uh, oppression and violence due to the patriarchy, it also did build systems that would have been good if we just stopped chasing power. Like it, it created you know, so much infrastructure that we needed and all of these things and like school, like there is good to it, but because it wasn't brought back into harmony. <laughs> with the with the feminine or with that whole yeah. other side of the cycle, because it's not right? just structure that's needed. It's no. also life force, right? Exactly. We need, we need structure and life force, but we've yeah. sacrificed life force to the structure. And, and really all that I, I see, at least within my industry or our industry is like, even the men that are teaching this work, they're, they're, they're just obsessed with power. Yep. Right. And it, it, it really breaks my heart, but you know, when you were um, describing, you know, these men coming home and like feeling at their wits end, it's like, it does need to break. And the breaking begins within one's own heart. It begins with grieving all of the mess. And like, I think sometimes we just jump to trying to find these solutions and think our way out of something that needs to be deeply felt, but like the heart needs to break and we need to grieve and follow the wisdom of that all the way through to the, to the end, to the end, to the end. It's the part where we think, oh, we can't possibly cry or feel anymore. And then that's when the, the cycle completes and we can see the whole picture of something or feel the whole picture, right? Yeah, it almost feels like it's like the facade or the, the, um, the armor around our hearts has to break, right? Yeah. Because a, a heart that feels isn't broken, that's what a heart is supposed to do. Right. Like, and I, I get it. It does feel like a broken heart. It does feel like things just have cracked open. Yes. Um, and it's, it can be really intensely painful, right. To be with that. But it's also, I think the, the suffering comes in, in the, like in each time we try to avoid feeling the pain, that's where like all this suffering builds up because pain is actually just so beautiful and so transformative. And it like hurts in this like way that um, also feels like joy and it feels like aliveness and it feels like being human. Yes. feels like being really fully human to be with it. And there's just no way that we can avoid the pain and, and not also avoid the, the pleasure and, the magic that life has to offer us like it's all there together it's yeah. all these beautiful like paradoxes that exist within us and um it's really the shielding the armoring up the facades the masks the layers of um ways that we try to protect ourselves from being with what is real yeah. that has to break that needs to shatter and that is that is a difficult process underneath is like this like gorgeous fleshy messy like fertile place that lives inside of us it's like so soft and um you know juicy and and verdant and and beautiful and yes it's like it's painful and there's grief and there's rage and and then there's also all this like you know, like ecstasy and and joy and, and um, love that comes through that just transforms it all into like, into goodness and, um, and beauty. Uh, Yeah. And I, I I don't know, I just, it's so hard. It's so hard to watch it. 
it's one thing like for me, I'm just like, once it cracked open for me, I'm like, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. I'm every single day. I'm, yeah. you know, doing my, my morning, my morning um, devotion and I'm cracking it open every day. I've got to be in there. I got to feel, I want to feel, I want to be alive. Yeah. I don't want to know. I never, ever, ever want to go back to numbing myself, to hiding, to, um, to being disconnected from my body and from the plant, from the earth. Like, I I can't, like, I just, it's like one, it's like Pandora's box. You know, once you've opened it, it's like, there's, there's no going back. It would be death for me to do that. Death in the, in the, like, (laughs) in the patriarchal way, you know? And I just, I want, all I want is for the men in my life to feel that to feel how beautiful the world is to see their magic and to um to feel the love that's available to them from the divine and from um from us you know from uh, from the other humans that are around them for the beauty that's in the faces of their children from like the just wonder that's available to us at every waking moment you know and when we can't grieve when we can't um feel um we don't have access to that you know we also cut ourselves off from like just staring at the sky and saying like it's all right here there's no amount of hustling that is going to make up for what's already present yeah right which is just got tingles again (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) I just have these moments where like I I step outside and I'm just like wow why would I why would I need to do anything she's just like Uh just like this (laughs) abundant (laughs) feast is being offered like (laughs) milk milk and honey without price without money and without price like pouring out love and and beauty all mixed up with just the humanness of our you know um experience as fleshy mortal beings you know and it's it's like it's just it's all right here yeah you don't have to do anything except maybe shed the things that are in the way and let it let it happen yeah there's um it sort of circles back to what we were beginning with too. It's like coming back to the body and how there's such intelligence in the pain and such an aversion to feeling the pain. And that pain can represent, you know, something physical in your body or the grief that wants to be felt or the rage wants to be felt. But it's a lot to begin to understand that that's what it's calling for. It's calling for your presence. And I think that so uh, many women, including myself, is like we want presence so that we feel safe, that we can move into this pain. And I know you and I are creating spaces where women can come into that state of presence with themselves, but men have that built into them by design. They are present and focused and one-pointed, you know, focused on things. And if they allow themselves to do that within and be present with themselves and the greatest gifts of them can come forth just through being present with their pain, our pain, the collective pain that we're feeling. And it, it's going to take a lot of, <laughs> it's exciting, but also frustrating, but I feel like it's going to take a lot of time to shift that way of thinking. <sighs> yeah. Um, but I don't know anything else that's more worthy of devoting my life energy to then, no, there's there isn't this. Else, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's really quite challenging um, and frustrating, but also lights me up so much to know that I'm part of a legacy, part of something that I'll never see, part of something that is so much bigger than than me, you know, and it, it gives yeah. me great joy and sorrow but all of those things like melded in into one as you were describing so beautifully before that it's like all here but we need to be willing to listen to the intelligence of the pain the wisdom of the pain that's why it's knocking we can't keep pushing it away 
Um, I mean, it will it will turn up somehow, right? Yeah, it turns up in um, you know, disease and and um, other issues with our bodies if we don't if we're not willing to be consciously with it, it'll just find its way in other ways or it, it, um, it comes out. And I mean, I see often like men experiencing a lot of like inner shame and shame about their sexuality, shame about, um, their emotions and, um, shame about just being human and that shame then gets if it's not if it's not if we don't sit with it if we aren't able to be with it then we pass it on yes we pass it on in the way we treat the women in our lives or we treat other men or we treat children our children or um and and that's it's really hard to watch that to see that happening and you know that's another thing i think women can do is just to really with a lot of love and compassion say like, I see how hard it is to be around our kids when this is happening, or I see the way, um, yeah. When you're really upset, the way that the things that you might say to me or the things that you say about other people. And just want you to know that like, there's nothing we can feel or say about other people that we don't feel and say to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that this, just to, I think um, women have this capacity to kind of unveil and to have the discernment to know when to reveal and when to unveil something. And um, so for women to be really wise and discerning with how they approach those situations, um, I think is really needful. And and we learn that by just practicing with ourselves, right? Not to yeah. push to unveil things within ourselves too soon and not to, um, I think Brene Brown says something like, not everybody has earned the right to your story. Yes. And I think we can be really boundaried in how we protect our own sacredness and how much we will share and unveil in our relationships. And that helps us then to practice that discernment for when things need to be unveiled in relationship. And to say, like, I think this is something we should look at and I want to look at it with you and I yes. want to walk with you in this knowing that we can have a different relationship with our children or with each other and or with our parents or whoever it is we're having these challenges with, you know, yeah. and to continue to just tell our truth to them and and hold our sacred ground while we do that. Um. And I, I think there are times when women just need to say, well, enough is enough. And I can't continue to put myself in situations that are out of alignment with uh, my own well-being. And, you know, we might need to exit relationships yeah. for that reason and, and um, engage from a much further distance with the work of, of being with men in our lives and that can also be really, you painful. know, yeah. so, so, so painful. Yeah. It's to me, and this has been my own experience in working with women. Um, it's like the desire to want to be out there and almost what you said before, like that codependency of like being out there and supporting, you know, our partners and the men in our lives to whatever capacity or style relationship you have is, is also a clue. It's like, bring that mothering to yourself you're you're capable of doing that but it's just being shown to you and direct the energy is being directed through these projections in this way you're 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 capable of doing this for yourself yeah and to to bring it back in and that creates this boundary without any words of like bringing this energy back into yourself and and being it I say it a lot of the time like this work is miraculous because it transforms your being and through your being you're transmitting this different frequency yeah to everyone around you and sometimes um when words don't find their their way to the surface it, you can come back to being in this energy for yourself and witness what happens when you 
bless yourself with it right and that's uh, yeah that's so like there's the imagery of that of like instead of like pushing that energy outwards to try to you know caretake and and mother the men in our lives like if yeah. we then will direct that energy back to our own inner maidens to our own inner child and yeah and really caretake ourselves with that same intention and love um and i i mean i know for a lot of women that feels like well i'm now i'm being really selfish right like and there's a whole yeah. narrative around women well if you're not caretaking everybody you're not a good woman you're not a good wife you're not a good mother or sister or friend or whatever and women should just be constantly caretaking everybody else the truth and i don't know maybe it is selfish i don't i don't really care (laughs) Uh, like i just think that word is i'm like that word is meaningless to me i don't even know what that word means i don't anymore yeah i'm just like what does that even mean i don't know but what i do know (laughs) is that when i do that for myself it does change the frequency in my relationships and um it calls the people in my life to greater maturity within themselves 100% and it means that I get to show up for the people who are not able to do that which are my children because they're children and that's not their job it means I get to bring that mature energy to them because that's actually what children really need yeah um and I'm not misdirecting that towards the adults who are going to have to grow up right it's like no it's your turn to grow up. I'm growing up because I know how to take care of myself. That's what it means to grow up. That's what it means to mature. It means I no longer rely on someone outside of myself to take care of my basic needs, to give me love, belonging, um, or just, you know, food, rest, shelter, clothing. Like I'm going to tend to my basic needs. And then it's my job then to whatever energy there is to give to the you know to my children Mm. so that they have their basic needs met and can make this rite of passage for themselves and be grown adults who know how to love themselves um right like it's not my job to to do that for an adult I also see though that this is where many women get stuck based on feminism it's like well I'll just take care of me and then there's a lack of trust in reciprocity which is a huge principle one of the main principles of the feminine so whilst we can tend to our needs um, the word I I use now instead of um, selfish is sacrifice because the core of the word I think in Latin is to make holy right and so you bring that energy to yourself you're you're one with yourself everything you do is infused with this divine energy and then it's okay and then there's the overspill right so it's not being stuck in taking care of one's own needs I think that is also immaturity um and I see so much of that in like you know feminine rising like that kind of mentality it's kind of like yeah like we don't don't need we don't don't need need that no like it's a middle finger to like just yeah and I get, I get that repulsion and rejection of the system and all that has been put on women. It's like, no, we can do this and can stand on our feet. But the point of maturing is I kind of see like this body that's growing or this tree that's growing. It's like, well, then there's these fruits that come out of me making this sacrifice to come home to my holy divine nature so that I can grow and guide and nourish those who are willing who you know aren't looking to me for a handout or unexpecting me to do x y and z for them because they haven't done that work to come home to themselves right right well i think this this is so important i've been thinking about the movie encanto oh i watched that recently it's so good (laughs) i think louisa the older sister the very strong sister that's holding and carrying everything Again, a, a way that um, Maureen Murdoch from The Heroine's Journey describes that is that there's the mother wound for women has two sides of the coin. One is the damsel in distress, right? Always waiting for someone to rescue her. Yeah. And I think in feminism, 
uh, mainstream feminism or just in general, we're like, yeah, we're not going to be the damsel in distress anymore. We're going to be the Athena. On right? the other like, side, yeah. The other side is Athena who becomes this warrior for Zeus. And she's like, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to do everything myself. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to get all the military badges, you know, like I'm going to be the CEO. I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. I'm going to be the boss babe who can handle her own shit. All but the time. really, really it's she, the same side. She's it's, actually protecting the patriarchy. Absolutely. And, and I, and I think yeah. um, it actually shows it. This shows up. You can't, <laughs> how do I say this? You you can't do one without having the other also happen. So like Louisa is yeah. externally, she's carrying the load of the family. She's bearing the weight of everybody's burdens, but inside she's like, who's going to take care of me? She still has, she's still a damsel in distress on the inside. Yeah. And then I think the damsel in distress that shows up externally as like, Oh, I need a man to save me inside. She's like carrying all this load. She's yes. carrying all this burden. Um, and when you talked about a tree, I think um, I think trees are such powerful, um, you know, sacred feminine archetypes and and also just powerful in their own right as actual trees. Yeah, it's so amazing. Like a tree in and of itself has this has its own ecosystem, but it doesn't exist in isolation. They die in isolation. And, yeah, they do not thrive. They cannot thrive in isolation. They live best and longest and, and the most healthy lives when they're in a forest full of other trees. And they have this whole network of communication happening below the surface. They're sharing nutrients with each other. They're they're deeply rooted. Yeah. And they are, you know, they're doing the own work of their own photosynthesis, but they're also receiving and they're also giving. It's instead of, and, and perhaps when we're talking about, hey, instead of externalizing all this nurturing energy, like bring it to yourself, I think that's the initiation. That's that initial process that has to happen where you become self-sourced. And that, ha and that healing of that wound and that integration really does have to happen. And once we are really grounded in that, we can begin to create these like symbiotic reciprocal relationships. And again, it's messy. It's cyclical. It's not like all of a sudden I'm grounded and I don't need anybody. And now I can be in relationship with people again. It's like, <laughs> nope, I'm learning to be grounded and I'm learning to be in relationship. And then I'm coming back to being grounded and yes. taking care of myself. And then, and so maybe coming back to that spiral that, you know, that seasonal, going going in and going out and going in and going out the inhale and the exhale of the yin and yang of that experience is really i can rely on myself i can belong to myself and then i can nurture myself i can heal myself and then i can belong to others i can belong in community i can give i can serve and i can receive and then coming back in like i know how to, i can tend to myself right so then it becomes something that we just surrender to the flow of that cycle and are able to come out and serve and connect and then go within and serve and connect within, right? And yeah. I think that's really the sweet spot, right? If we can just be in relationship to that cycle. Yeah. I feel like that is like one of the perfect places to leave the conversation. <laughs> it is perfect. <laughs> um, and, and I also know that um, as part of the, the podcast, I want to continue conversations and actually have this feeling of community with the guests coming back because there's so much information out there and I really, which I love and you can reach anything and anyone across the world, but because I'm so devoted to the feminine, it's about going deeper and richer and creating this tapestry with community. And so I would love to have you, and I no doubt will, have you back on um, on the show, which still sounds weird for me to say, um, because there's so much more that we can speak to as we walk this path. And um, I'd love to complete with just like, a question of what is it that you would say to someone who is 
on that precipice of like the pain is there and then they're just not sure if they can do it yet, what would you say to them? Okay. Or even to yourself when you're at that point. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I'm always at that point. <laughs> some, some part of my soul is always there. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, for me, I'm on the precipice of being with the pain of the, the men in my life, not going as fast as I want them to go. <laughs> Come on guys, get, get it together, you know, and get some um, fire. <laughs> yeah. I want to light it up. I, so I'm sitting with that. I'm sitting with the surrender and, um, yeah, it is deeply painful. And, and what I would say to myself is just return to love, return to love, my love most beloved um and know that the most powerful thing you can do is to just witness it you don't have to fix it you don't have to stop it you don't have to um find any solution for it and you absolutely have the capacity to to witness it with love and know that the suffering is less when we just allow and just allow it to move through your body and let it bring to the surface whatever wisdom and, and truth is is ready to be born in it and um take adriana's class <laughs> take your class too so uh, yeah <laughs> reach out reach yeah. out to a guide because there, like we've been saying, there's something so beautiful about being held in community while we learn to hold ourselves. Yeah. And there's, um, I think, a reciprocity and a healing that's really necessary about being witnessed in that by other humans, other women. And you have loving guides here who can do it in many different capacities, whether it's one-on-one -on -one situations or courses that are happening. Yeah. Trust, trust whatever your inner knowing is is calling you to move towards, to reach out for, and and trust that you do have you do have the the inner capacity to be with this you do yeah thank you so much that was beautiful i love talking to you thank you Same. for making the time waking up early best morning spent ever i love it oh, i love it so much <laughs> um thank you so much and um i'll link all of your details in the episode notes for everyone who wants to find you and um Again, thank you so much. I love all that you are and appreciate all that you are. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. Bye.